Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello, I'm Gemma, and welcome to another episode of Good Influence. This is the podcast where I welcome our guests to discuss their experiences, answer your questions, and teach us something new. This week, we're talking about financial literacy. The role of financial knowledge as self-care, making conversations about money less intimidating, and not falling prey to online comparison. So joining me this week is Emmanuel Asuquo. Emmanuel, aka Uncle Iman, if you watch his videos, is a financial advisor, speaker, TV presenter, and now author. His debut book, Get Your Money Right, Understand Your Money and Make It Work For You, is out now and explores financial literacy from building good habits to borrowing to philanthropy in practical, jargon-free language. We literally make money and financial decisions every single day, but we're never really taught about how do we do it properly. So you and I met originally when we did a panel together about wellness. Yes. And you were there to talk about finance and kind of financial well-being. Could you tell us a bit about why financial literacy can be kind of an important part of that wellness self-care sort of conversation? The reason it's really important is that for a lot of people, money can lead bring anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um because there's a fear of making a mistake. Now we've got the fear of being scammed. So, you know, at a desperate situation like now where people are struggling with finances and money, people will tend to look for opportunities to make money and almost take the risk of, it sounds so good, it must it must be true, it's going to be this one thing that's going to help me and save me mm-hmm. and then end up, end up losing money or end up putting themselves in a worse position than when they started. So now people have the fear of who do I trust? A lot of the time we don't trust our politicians. We don't trust our banks. We don't like to talk about money in in general. People Mm -hmm. don't talk about how much they earn or, you know, how much savings they have or how much money they they have because there's a fear of being seen or being judged if people know how much money you're earning and so forth. And so because of that, it can be very insular. You can be very, money can make you feel very much alone. Mm -hmm. And because of that, again, it can lead to people having a lot of mental breakdowns and and having their well-being not being being good. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think it is. It's one of those important things. Like, I think part of what we end up talking about now with the kind of wellnessy, self-carey conversation is that a lot of it can be quite sort of surface level and you'll think you know have a cup of tea run a bath all that kind of things but actually yeah. sometimes it is the most practical not sort of glittery things that that can cause you the most stress and that can obviously then make such a big impact when you do sort of have a handle on things as best you can exactly i mean we've all had that um you know you go to the shop pick up something go to pay and then you can't remember how much is in your account Mm 
mm-hmm. and kind of do that close your eyes and hope that it says accepted <laughs> and you don't have that decline moment but then you know we've been I've been I've been out personally and been out with friends and especially at time when you're trying to save for something or maybe money's a bit tight and then all of a sudden people start buying drinks and buying extra food and all of a sudden everybody wants the the, the caviar and all these extra stuff that they wouldn't <laughs> normally order yeah and then everyone says let's split it and you're like I literally had bread and butter and water like how all of a sudden like you knew what your budget was you knew how much money you had in your pocket but people have overspent all the drinks that you didn't drink and now they want to split it and you've got that kind of nervous anxiety of how what am I going to do now and so we we literally make money and financial decisions every single day but we're never really taught about how do we do it properly so a lot of the time we have to learn from mistakes and depending on what mistake you make, it can be very costly. Yeah, definitely. I think, as you were kind of saying, it's the kind of conversations that we can maybe feel a bit intimidated by and you feel like you don't don't know how to ask questions. And I feel like when I've seen, obviously depending on the context and you've done presenting on like lots of different shows, but I've definitely seen shows that you've done where you kind of, it's it's a very kind of fun informal sort of down-to-earth conversation that you're having with people while you're talking about money do you think that's important in kind of taking away of that a bit of that intimidation yes I think it's hugely important and I think that's that's my purpose that's why I do what I do is that you know I looked at money and it almost felt like unless you're in a suit unless you work in the city or whatever you can't have these conversations and actually what's happened for a lot of people is is that they go to the bank they don't see people who look like them or people who they feel comfortable with they don't feel like they belong in a bank environment and then they end up taking financial advice from friends or family or people they meet and end up making mistakes so I think it's really important to take away um, the kind of seriousness of finance and money and make it something that's relatable easy to understand and the fact that it could be fun like you can mm. have you know jokes of it and make people smile and it's almost like you know take your medicine and have a sweet type thing like trying to make yeah we've got yeah. to take the medicine but how can we get it to take it in the best way yeah absolutely so I mean all that being said when and how do you think we should be learning these kind of this sort of financial literacy as a topic great question I think I think I think it's hard because I think there's a lot of pressure on schools to Mm. teach financial literacy and I think from the school's point of view and I do think schools need to do more but at the same time the schools and the education system will say we're doing so much there are so many topics there are so many things we're trying to cover there are so many things we're trying to teach young people about to actually what are we gonna what are we gonna take away in order to teach people about finance or money and so forth? So I understand that argument, but I still feel like schools can do more. But also I think we then say, okay, well, maybe people should learn it at home. But if if me if me as a parent, if I've never been taught how to manage money and how to be good at money, how can I then teach my kids? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because I might have a fear of money. I might not feel comfortable around money. I might be making bad money decisions. I might be in debt and feel ashamed. And so I don't want to talk about money because I feel like a hypocrite trying to talk about money when I'm struggling myself. Mm -hmm. And so it's one of those things where I feel like that's why I really want to try and empower people. I I always talk about empowerment and like, oh, why do you you call it? Because it's a life skill. And once you understand how to manage your money and how to take control of your money, 
you'll feel empowered to make better financial decisions. So I really think, you know, it's the home should be the place, the, the first place. And I think people should be comfortable if you're in a place where you're not comfortable with money to try and reach out and, and learn. There are loads of resources online load, and there's loads of different people to follow. I think, you know, we're on social media a lot. Mm-hmm. And there are there are loads of people that we follow on social media. There is a financial influencer for you, I'm telling you. Like, it doesn't have to be me, but you will find a financial influencer that you'll be like, no, I can relate to that person. I, mm-hmm. they, I like the way they speak. I like the way they talk about it. And you can learn about finance and money using things like social media, YouTube, and, and all of those types of things. Yeah, I think it's it's a good point about, you know, ideally it would be at home, but I think the topic of that sort of, generational wealth conversation I think has become a lot more mainstream I think I feel like that's a a a phrase that I maybe wouldn't have heard until like a couple of years ago but now people talk about it a lot more and like where where you talk about it in that element it, it makes so much sense you know if you're if you're in a situation where your parents already have a lot of money for example then you know odds are they'll be able to sort of tell you what to do with it I mean the only example of that I can think of is I feel like I did get some sort of at least education from my parents. I think I might have talked about this before, but like I remember being at a till with my mum when I was kind of like 17, 18 or something. And then being like, oh, you get sort of 20% off if you take this store card sort of thing. Do you want one? And my mum was like, no, <laughs> absolutely not. So I feel like even those like little lessons. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's an example for me of just like things that I've learned from my parents. No, and I think it's great. And I think that's a great example that you just gave because I think a lot of us, you know, our parents' generation definitely, you know, were live by your means, live within Mm -hmm. your means, cut your cloth accordingly and so forth. And I think there is still a generation growing up who fear credit, think money is the devil and don't want to, do you know what I mean? And don't want anything to do with it. Um, And I think, you know, we we have to balance. Yes, live within your means. Mm-hmm. But if there are ways for you to leverage or use finance and money to to better your situation, then take it as long as you understand what you are doing and how how best to make sure that it works for you. Um, but I think, yeah, I think, you know, we all have like my parents always used to tell me that money doesn't grow on trees and so forth. And mm-hmm. and, and it's almost a scarcity mindset. And I think I've had to learn to come out of that and realize that there is an abundance of money, whether or not you want to you want to take it or whether or not you want to be a part of it people are making money every single day and and so i always tell people there's like 365 days in a year why do you only get paid on 12 of them and it's like mm. if you did a test and got 12 out of 365 you would never say that you did well like so it's one of them things where you can you as long as you can add value to people there's an opportunity to make money every single day and so actually having only one stream of income can be difficult. And and I think that's where most, when we look at people with the cost of living crisis, a lot of the time it's because you, and look at the strikes, we see the teachers train, everyone's striking. And that's a lot of the time it's because they've got one stream of income. They've got this one income and with the cost of everything going up, it's just not rising at the same same way prices are. So we have to find a balance. Yeah, I think that's so difficult as well, because I mean, if we do look at that and it's kind of, there are a lot a, a lot of these people striking who will have you know they have one income income yeah. from their job but that used to be so normal like it used to be you know we look yeah. look back not even that far and it used to be you know you could have one income that would sustain a household like a family yeah. and that just isn't really the way that it works anymore at this point which i mean 
solidarity to the strikers because yeah. <laughs> because they shouldn't have to be on strike to be able to live off of off of their own income, you know. But when you talk about you know bringing in other streams, what ca- what could that look like for your average person who works yeah. a nine to five already? Great, great point. I think it all depends for me. I I, I think it, the best place to start is looking at your passions. What do you enjoy doing? Because sometimes your passion. So I, I for example, you know, um, I've got friends who are really good at makeup, like like female friends who are really good at makeup, and so they've done online online courses and stuff like that, and people like it. I've got other friends that are really good at cooking, and they've done mm-hmm. they've done. It's not something. So what I'm saying is, it doesn't have to necessarily be like you have to go do a course and learn something completely different. You yeah. might have everyday skills that, that that things that you're good at things that come natural to you, things that you're able to do. And you're a- and there'll be people that might want to learn it, people that might want to be able to use it. I had um, another another friend, I, don't want, I say friend, kind of client who's become a friend who basically speaks multiple languages. Mm-hmm. And so he realised that um, there's a lot of people in Brazil that want to learn English. And so he went, just went online using Zoom. Obviously, Zoom with two people is free. And, and just found people on that, for, in Brazil that wanted to learn English and just does English lessons with them to teach them how to speak in, in English better and gets paid for it. Yeah. This, is, this is something that comes naturally, just literally monetizing things that you're good at. Now, for other people, you might think, I don't have that type of skill. But you might have a good eye when it comes to clothes or bargaining. So you might be able to spot, okay, I think, like, you know, go to like a, a charity shop or jumble sale or these types of things and find things low price, put them online and sell them for a profit. And so there are so many different things you can do, but you just have to kind of work out what's the number for you. So, for mm-hmm. example, if I know that, okay, we're, we're short hundred pounds each month or two so now you might think okay we need 200 pounds extra each month that is 50 pound a week what can I do that can make me 10 pound a day for five days out of seven if I can make 10 pound a day for five days out of seven I can make an extra 200 pounds a month so kind of yeah breaking it down into more less less the mindset of you know make more money make more money all the time but kind of what's what's my shortfall what what do I need kind of thing Exactly. And it, and it will build because you will start off like, like you said, like, um, what's my shortfall? But eventually you'll become better at it because you, what you want, anything you do over time, you'll improve. You'll find better, better things to buy, newer things, better ways to do it, find new markets, people to buy your stuff and you'll develop and grow um, over time. And it doesn't mean the first thing you try, it might not work out, but you've learned a way not to do it. So don't mm-hmm. be disheartened. You've learned a way not to do it. Now go and try again and do something different. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, that's obviously just one kind of element of yeah. something that maybe people could do. When people are looking at sort of how they manage their money and how they kind of plan, what what do you do to approach that, say, if you're right at the beginning? As in, because you're obviously qualified as a financial advisor. Do yeah. people necessarily need a financial advisor? Like, where is the best place to go to just to start with? Good question. I think to answer the financial advisor part, I think... The financial advisor part is probably much later down the line. Once you started mm-hmm. saving and you've got money and you're like, actually, you know what, I've got this savings or I've start, I've been saving online on the app or investing online on the app, but I want to take it further and I really want to know what I'm doing and mm-hmm. so forth. And then you might bring in a financial advisor. To begin with, I always tell people, the first place it starts is with you. You've got to find your why. So why, what is it? What, what motivates you? What are you? What's most important to you? Because the problem is, is that 
I see online and you probably see it a lot with social media is that I think a lot of people are chasing other people's dreams. So I meet people yeah. and they're like, oh, I really want to go and live in Dubai. Why do you want to live in Dubai? Because you believe there's some lifestyle that you've seen online and, and, that's, and that's made you want to do that. I really want to get a five bedroom house. Why? Because you've seen someone with a five bedroom house. And so what happens is we start to take other people's dreams, other people's goals and take them like they're ours. Yeah. And then as you start to go along that journey, when things get tough, you're kind of like, oh, I don't really want that five bedroom house anyway and kind of give up. And it's like, actually, it's really important for you to start with what are you working towards? What's mm-hmm. most important to you? Because then if, for example, if I know I need to, I want to buy a house, that's my thing. If I see somebody else buy a car, I'm not going to be jealous of them buying a car. It's not going to affect me them buying a car because I know I want to buy a house. Right. Do you know what I mean? But the problem yeah. is, is that sometimes I see people, they're blocking, not blocking, restricting their friends because seeing their friends succeed while they're maybe perceiving themselves as not doing well is affecting them but until until you understand that you're on your own personal journey I have met people who have been millionaires in their 20s and bankrupt in their 30s and then gone back again in their 40s like life is full of ups and downs and just just because somebody else is up and and you're not where you think you you should be for your age which doesn't exist you could be anywhere at any age Mm -hmm. but just because you feel like because you're a certain age you're not where you you think you're supposed to be all of a sudden you're allowing it to affect your your mental health you hate you hate going on social media because of all the other things that you're seeing and actually it's about you finding peace of mind of yourself and know that you're on your own personal journey you know what you want for your life and that as long as I can look at myself I always tell myself as long as I can look at myself and I know each day I'm doing what it takes to reach my goals and my dreams, I can be happy for everyone else. Someone else can have more money than me, more fame than me, um, have like whatever, more than me. It doesn't mm-hmm. make, make a difference because I'm claiming what's for me and I'm focusing on what's right for me and my family and so forth. And I think that's, it, it starts with the individual. Yeah, I love that idea. Yeah, I think that's so true about social media kind of I think in lots of different areas, it kind of encourages us to look at what everyone else is doing, which doesn't have to be a bad thing. But I mean, yeah, we've talked on the podcast before about all the sort of comparison and the insecurity Mm. that sneaks in around those things. And yeah, I think that's a good way of looking at it to kind of break it down. And yes, they've got that thing. But did you actually really want that thing at all? Or do you just want it because they've got it? Exactly. Exactly. And and I think that's the thing, like, you know what I mean? And I remember meeting you and... um, like you're so nice like you're just so nice as a person like no no you're just so nice and normal like just just a normal person and obviously I didn't know who you was I just met you lovely lovely Gemma and just just talking and da, 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 da. and then it was like then obviously we connected on social media mm-hmm. and it was like wow you got all these fun and you just assume naturally in life because I've met you in person in real life yeah. before I've saw you on social media I've not had any preconceptions so I've just met you and I've just taken you as you are and you're a lovely person. It was a lovely meeting. Oh, thank God. <laughs> no, but then seeing you, then obviously, then uh, human nature says, wow, you've got so many followers, you must be like this. Do you know what I mean? And yeah, that's, yeah, and that's what, what we do. Mean. And then sometimes also we then say, oh, I wish I had that many followers. You see somebody else's success, you're like, oh, I, I want that now. And it's like, yeah. actually, you, your followers have nothing to do with you as a person. Do you know what I mean? Like, you are a very normal, lovely person. Like, if I met you, I just think you're just a lovely girl I wouldn't think that you were 
like somebody that had millions of followers. Do you, do you, know, do you know what I mean? But <laughs> yeah, you can see, do you know what I mean? And it's like, yeah. actually, it's just amazing how you've been able to, dis- I guess you tell people that, like, how have you been able to disconnect the, the num your following from how you, who you are as a person? Uh, oh, you're flipping it around on me now. Um, <laughs> I don't know I just I just don't think I've changed who I am as a person yeah. but but then actually like if you look back at the past 10 years like I've probably changed a lot as a person so I yeah. don't I don't know if I can can particularly answer that super well I mean you've just been very nice about me I'm, I'm sweating oh, now no. I feel embarrassed because <laughs> you've been really nice about me <laughs> but, but I think yeah I don't know I think that's I mean yeah, it's all what we're talking about, isn't it? Like, yeah. the the thing about comparison is that you're making assumptions about people. So I think that pro- that probably is a good example of, you know, you see, you might see online what someone else has, and you might yeah. assume not only what they're like as a person, but also how happy it makes them, exactly. and you know, all of these other things that might might not be true at all. But yeah, it might might be adjusting how you're making your goals. But actually, you you don't even know if that's a satisfying you know the person who you're looking at or whether their goals are the same as yours or whether they're happy or any of that stuff really exactly exactly so I think that's the first place to start and then I think the second thing is that what you said goals like create goals for yourself like what are the things that you want what create a plan like have have some goals what do you want to achieve and actually write it down there's something I think there's this power in writing things down like Mm. it almost brings it into the reality and then I like to go a step further from just not just writing it down but also um also just printing out pictures so taking like actual pictures Mm. and then even you could get even further like for example like I'll be like I'm gonna buy this house buy a house that looks like this I'm gonna go on a viewing and go and see that house mm-hmm. and experience being in that house because now I've made it real to myself like I've been in this type of house so why can't it happen for me I want to if you want to buy a certain car you can take it out for a test drive and experience it if you want to if you want to become an author you can I don't know you can put yourselves in these environments whatever it may be it's just it's just about actually how much how real can I make it feel to myself before I make it happen and so for me, it's, it's writing it down and having having it, but then also having an accountability partner. Like, I think it's something like you're 70 or 80% more likely to achieve your goal if you have an accountability partner. Nice. It's so important, especially when it comes to your money, that you have someone that you can bounce things off. So for example, I, like, I always tell my clients to do like a 48-hour rule. So if you go online and you see something, you want to purchase it, wait 48 hours. If you go back in 48 hours and you still want to buy it, fine, buy it then. Mm. And nine times out of 10, they don't buy it. In 48 hours time, you don't buy it. Because all the colors, all the pictures, all the things that's enticed you, that's not there anymore. It's just an item. And you realize, I've lived 48 hours about this item. I don't need it anymore. But at the time, you're ready to go and buy it. But also sometimes what you can do is then pick up the phone to someone and say, I'm thinking of buying this. What's your thoughts? And they'll be like, well, actually, you said you were going to save X, Y, Z. So as long as you can save XYZ, go ahead. Then you realize, oh, I can't save XYZ because I'm going to buy this. Okay, I'm going to leave it alone. And it's so important to have people because when you're on your own, it becomes, it's just you in your head <laughs> and anything can happen. Yeah. You know, like you could just, a, a, a switch can flip and you now going to go and spend it on like, forget the world, forget everything. I'm going to enjoy my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually having an accountability partner is, is a really, really important thing. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Every week, my guest and I will be answering your questions. And the first one comes in from Eduarda, who says, Do you have any tips on how to manage my personal finances being self-employed? For me, it's very difficult to plan, save or invest and know how much I can spend due to the variation of the money I make every month. Yes, this is a very, very good question and one that I get all the time. I think the best way to help, when it's self-employed, because your money's up and down, you might have good months, bad months, slow months, high months and so forth. What's really important is to kind of kind of try your best where you can to set yourself up having a salary. like So pay yourself a set amount each month. So for example, you might, like one month you might make 10K, the next month you might make 1K or you might not make anything for a couple of months and so forth. So what's important is if you know that you need £2,000 a month, then just set yourself out that that's what you're going to pay yourself. Mm -hmm. So when money comes in, the remainder you leave um, in order to make sure you've got money to pay yourself. Also with self-employed, it's always important, I always say, to put at least 20% of anything that comes in, just put it away for tax. Mm -hmm. Hopefully it shouldn't be that much because you can take away expenses and all of that type of stuff. But anything that comes in, put 20% of it into a separate account and, and put that as a tax account and that will help. And then if you can try and set yourself a set amount, that stops the ups and downs as much as possible. Um, and so that should should kind of help. Okay, nice. And also don't don't pay yourself direct from your from your business account. So pay yourself into into your personal account and you manage that. And obviously pay any costs and stuff from your business account but separate it so that you understand that there's you and your business and the two are separate and that should make your money much clearer for you to manage everything staying organized (laughs) (laughs) the ticket to a stress-free life this is one that i have had to learn (laughs) over a long time but organizing is key key Okay, perfect. Um, next question is from Sophie, who I thought this was quite an interesting question. What do you think affects how people relate to their finances more, nature or nurture? Uh, I can't say which one is more than the other. I just think mm. that I see both. Like I see people who whose spending habits are because of trauma that they've been through. Mm-hmm. So, and, and it's a way for them to get through what they've been through in life. Do you know what I mean? And so that's how they escape is you, you can buy something and there's the, the, the adrenaline and, and the rush that you get from buying something. And then there's mm-hmm. the giving yourself a present. I know a lot of people who maybe grew up with not having much and they love Amazon because Amazon comes through the door and it's it's a package just for them. Someone's mm-hmm. come and brought something to them and, and that feeling makes them, heal, makes them feel better because of things that they've been through in, in life. Um, so there's definitely, you know, what you've been through 
Um, but then there's also your environment. I think if you think about the people that you're around and the environment you're in, it's going to play a big part in in your financial decisions and even just life choices in general. So I think both have a part to play, um, depending on the person, one plays more than the other. But I definitely think, you know, um, a lot a lot of the time when I s- see people who are bad with money, they will tell me that their parents were bad with money or, and, and it's, it's yeah. an ongoing cycle. So I definitely try, you know, try and help people to kind of break those, what we call kind of generational um, curses or kind of generational, just continuing, continuing to try and, try and stop it um, with them. So yeah, that's that. But yeah, I wouldn't say one's more than the other, but they definitely both exist. Mm. I find that so interesting. I mean, <laughs> everyone knows what I'm like by now I can't help but make everything about mental health but it's quite like it's quite interesting even with this like with the examples we've talked about today it's kind of one person could have something happen to them and it'll put them into that like scarcity mindset as you described it and make them not want to spend but someone could have kind of a similar thing happen and it makes them want to spend like I I think it's really interesting just how like how personal it is not only just your particular you know how much money's in the bank at any moment but like how we all relate to money as it's as it stands I find it really interesting so thank you yeah no so do I so do I and and it's like that's why I feel like you have to be so open I always tell people like we do I do this I do these tv shows and um this is how money is so effective so I do these tv shows so we got on channel four there's a show called Naked Attraction and it's Mm -hmm. been going for seasons and people will be naked on television and feel no way but when we do money shows, do you know how hard it is to get contestants? Wow. Because people don't, it is a struggle to get people to actually talk about money on TV. So people yeah. will be much more comfortable being naked on te- television than they would speak about their money. God, that's fascinating. I have watched Naked Attraction and I've always, like, I said, I watched an episode a couple of weeks ago. I was saying to my friend, I was like, who signs up for this? I was like, <laughs> these people are so brave. I don't understand it. It's true. They are so, but, but it's wow, been going yeah. for seasons. They don't struggle. Like every, there is always on. There's always people there. Whereas talk about your money. I mean, we have people that will start and then the second you're like, okay, you have to send us your bank statement now. That like, Okay, we can't do this anymore. Yeah. Well, that, I mean, that's such an interesting insight from somebody who works on those programs. Cause I like, I wouldn't have thought that would be the case at all. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Last question um, <laughs> is, is maybe a, a punchier question um, yes. from Chelsea, who says, with the current financial climate and house prices being so extortionate, it's less likely that a lot of young people will be able to be homeowners. How do you see this unfolding down the line? Do you anticipate a housing crash soon or do you think long term renting will become more normal? Good question. I think um, there's a few things that could happen. So we right now we have a big um, wealth wealth transfer so we are seeing wealth going from the older generation and going to the younger generation so mm. we are we are seeing you know bank of mum and dad grandma granddad are helping that you know their grandchildren and, and children get onto the the housing ladder so we're seeing big wealth transfers and, and so forth um so we're seeing money switch from one generation to the next i think it is getting harder for people to get onto the ladder, especially mm-hmm. for young people to get onto the ladder. But there's a few things that's happening. Number one, I think, you know, we have to look outside of cities and try and look at look at outside of cities. And obviously working from home, if that continues the way it has, because it's looking like it's, people 
businesses are saying get back in the office almost a bit more now but yeah. if work from home does still exist and still allow people to to do that two or three days a week we may see more people being able to afford to buy because they don't necessarily have to live near where they work because you might yes you might have to do an hour hour and a half commute but if you only have to do that once or twice a week that's not too bad yeah um so we may see people be able to for example buy in the Midlands and still work in in London, for example, Mm -hmm. if they're able to travel in and so forth. We also are seeing strikes. We're seeing salaries finally starting to increase and go up. Mm. So that will help. But I think what people are having to do is be more outside of the box. So we're going to see probably less people buying on their own and more people either buying with a friend, buying with a partner, um, buying with a family member. And that's more how people are going to be able to get onto the property ladder as opposed to just buying on your own. If you want to know about opportunities to send in questions for upcoming guests, then follow us on Instagram or Twitter at goodinfluencegs, or you can email the podcast at goodinfluencepod at gmail.com. Before you go, I've got three things I ask every guest. And so could you please recommend us something to read, something to listen to, and something to watch? Excellent. Something to read. I have a book coming out um, called Get Your Money Right, um, which I'm really proud of. And it's basically um, a book where I have all my years of financial advice. I've been a financial advisor for 15 years. I have put into a book how money works, how you can make it work for you, how you can have the things you need to do if you're looking at getting a pay increase, the things to do when it comes to property, when it comes to pensions, investing, um, starting a side hustle, that we which we've talked about. All of that is all in the book to try and help you kind of get a basic level of understanding. And it's, it's what I tell you is so simple to read. It's, there's no there's no jargon in there. And then each chapter we have a, a kind of story um, to make to make it an example of what we've spoken about in that chapter to make it nice and easy for you to understand. So I definitely recommend um, my book, um, Get Your Money Right, as something to read. Perfect. Um, something to watch. I, I've got two things. I've got my two favourite kind of films, and they would be kind of financy films. Okay. But um, one is The Big Short. I don't know if anyone's seen The Big Short. Have you seen The Big Short? I think I've I've seen bits of it. I don't think bits I've ever watched it properly from beginning to end, but my boyfriend's tried to get me to watch it several times. <laughs> yes. Big Short is hilarious. You probably would have seen clips online because they take little bits out, and it's actually hilarious. But it basically explains um, the last recession, the credit crunch, the last kind of why it happened and what happened and so forth. But it's a great. It has bits where it stops and explains like technical stuff. So it's a great. It's a great movie to kind of sit down, watch, laugh, but also kind of understand finance and money and the way it works and so forth. Oh, what a perfect recommendation for this episode. <laughs> so I, I do, I do love the Big Short, but then also I love the Pursuit of Happiness um it's it's like my favorite film i watch i've watched it like almost 100 times i I just love it um um, with will smith and the reason i like it is just because it just shows the journey that people make and sometimes the fact that you know you we see people and and we see them as being successful but we don't know the journey has taken for them to get there and Mm -hmm. actually you know he was so focused on his pursuit of what he what was going to make him happy they even though devastating things kept happening he just kept focusing on where he wanted to be and he got there and and he obviously his son was his why as to why he wanted to you know achieve what he wanted to achieve so yeah loved it thank you and and then listen to Mm -hmm. hustle harder hustle smarter curtis 50 cent jackson um so 50 cent has um an audiobook and when i tell you he is dropping gems 
in this okay. audio book. Like in his own voice, he's just talking to you. He's talking to you about things that he's done well, things that he's done wrong, like just things that go right or wrong in business. And if you're a person that you're thinking about starting a side hustle, thinking about how to increase your income, thinking about what your mindset needs to be mm-hmm. to be better with your money, listen to this audiobook. And I'm telling you, you will enjoy it. Um, you just listen to it. And I have to keep pausing and just write notes and just take notes and just think, okay, I can do that. I can do that. And yeah, it's a great listen. Thank you for listening and thank you Emmanuel for joining me. If you enjoyed the episode I'd love you to subscribe to the podcast on whichever platform you're using and if you're feeling generous you can leave a rating and a review as well. See you next week. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.